only a small minority would be adamant Trinitarians, and that's usually because they've been trained that way or because they've had encounters with oneness people and they, they're trying to distinguish themselves clearly. You know, that that's kind of funny to me because I was trained like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I was trained under the oneness. Uh, through the study of Scripture, I, I, we've talked about this before outside of the podcast, one of the, the biggest things that I came across even as a oneness reading scripture is there is that distinction in the three persons and no matter how hard I would try to filter it it would always come back mm-hmm. in scripture because I'd be worried about yourself why you still be down and you got a soul like you need to see to believe these things but you believe things that you've never seen the feelings and hopes and dreams the future emotions and gravity and sadly everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy and I got something to say I got something to say I got something to say to the world Welcome to the Milk and Meat Podcast. My name is Carlos, and I'm here with my brothers, Andrew and Aldo. And today we want to do something that that we've actually been doing uh, for the last, well, technically the last topic, but two parts of an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys did a, a review or a uh, breakdown of a video with denominations, different denominations, mm-hmm. what they talk about, what they mean, who they are. Um, and you guys actually did a fantastic job it was a good um, video to that. begin with yeah, we had, we had a, a great, good good video to bounce off of yeah redeem yeah. zoomer had a great springboard video for mm-hmm. us and he supported us using it so i'm grateful for that yeah that's pretty awesome um and in this episode we want to do the same thing but a little bit differently we want to break down a, a video that came across our radar um i initially had seen it because somebody had sent it to me um and then Somehow we just all kind of came came to the same video, and we yeah. just kind of realized maybe we should break this down and respond to it. Yeah. Um, the video that we're responding to is by David K. Bernard. Um, he is the general superintendent, so basically the the leader, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, of the United Pentecostal Church uh, International. Uh, the UPCI, for for short, has about 5.5 million members, according to their website. Um, and the video that, that we want to respond to is is titled, How to Talk to Trinitarians. Yeah. Um, in the video, David Bernard gets asked, gets asked a couple questions by the... Uh, it's a podcast that they have, and I forget what the podcast is called. Um well, basically, he has quite a few episodes or quite a few podcasts where they ask him questions about the apostolic faith and how he he describes it. Um, the man has a very big following, um, yeah, and, and it and it's a little sad to be honest because he has such a big following, um, meaning there's a lot of people being lost to his teachings. Um, the, the, the theology that he's putting out there is not sound biblical theology. Um, and, but however, the reason we want to respond to this particular video is because, well, we are Trinitarians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that is the, that is the, the category that we're placed in. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will make something clear. Obviously the Bible doesn't say that Christians are Trinitarians, Right. right. Um, the word Trinity doesn't exist in the Bible, and I'll be the first to say it, and I think that we are all okay with that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but, 
I might also act add as well, like you don't need to fully understand the Trinity to be saved as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. The word oneness isn't in the Bible either. Yeah. The word oneness, the word rapture. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting because that is like a big uh, argument that that these that these sorts of people that these folks like like to use. Um, mm. But it's like it's like anything else. Like who decided to call the ocean ocean? Mm-hmm. It, it's a word used to describe what it is. Yeah. Um, so we use Trinity to describe the Holy Trinity. Yeah. One God existing eternally in three persons father son holy spirit distinct from one from one another but together one god um so we want to we want to start with with that video um i'd like to hear your guys's yeah i uh you know i'll just add you know trinity you know it's comprised of it was made up of two words tri meaning three and then unity tri unity unity meaning one uh like you said it's it's god existing in three eternal persons but they are one because mm. uh one of the common uh misconceptions is like oh well you're serving three gods mm-hmm. you know and i'm sure we're going to get into the details but you know they'll always ask well who do you pray to who do you worship you know if there's three of them and that's a that's a misconception uh uh you know based on scripture and as christians that believe in the trinity uh, we still believe in the true oneness, you know, meaning there is one God. Yeah. And again, that exists in three persons as the Bible describes it. Um, and as a side note, you know, I, I, I think we're all very familiar with the oneness uh, doctrine because that's the doctrine that we uh, grew up in mm-hmm. and, and and we have uh, come out of. So this is, uh, I, I think we... we we will be able to break this down uh, because we've been on that side. Right. You know what I mean? And now by the grace of God through scripture, we understand the Trinity and our, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we definitely have a, uh, a more um, uh, personal understanding to, to the other doctrine. For sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm honestly just excited to go through the video. Um, but start off, I just want to say that I know the passion that this preacher, David K. Bernard, has. It's called Apostolic Life. I guess that's the name of the okay. podcast. But uh, I see the passion behind it. You can be sincere and sincerely wrong about major things. Of course. Uh, you can be passionate about it and still have some sort of fruit in your life towards Christ. I mean, even false teachers have fruit that produces believers, albeit they are bound by false views, false expectations, uh, a tattered Christianity that isn't the freedom and the truth that God describes in the Bible. So it does affect their own personal lives and ministry and their effectiveness for the gospel. So if Joel Osteen could bring about a real believer, then anybody can. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are commanded to stay with the word and how God describes everything when we teach God and when we teach the faith and teach the word. And it's very easy for some movements or for some denominations to kind of grab a hold of one or two verses and just run with that and let that be the, you know, all in all for their theology. Yeah. And when other areas of scripture are kind of just used only to keep reproving one thing, you don't actually work through the whole scripture. I think it's really important that people work through the entire word of God. 
I mean, uh, their churches need to do that. We need to learn what does chapter one and two and three mean when you put them all together, like yeah. instead of just jumping to one section, sticking with it and using proof verses for that and then never moving forward from there. Uh, what we see sometimes is there are churches that kind of do that. They right. they just stay on one topic and they always let the different parts of the Bible out of context feed to that and they use that as their entire springboard for life and faith. Yeah, And you don't learn what the scripture means by doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, God is a big God. He wrote a full book and every yeah. word matters. And we need to discover what every word and every sentence and every paragraph and every conversation, the entirety of it means. We need to read the Sermon on the Mount in its entire two and a half chapters. Like right. we need to know what chapter five to seven really mean, because that's the full thing um, instead of just little bits and pieces. Um, so I was, I was listening to, to, I believe it was Paul Washer, um, it was like a day or two ago. I was just kind of going through a bunch of sermons um, on my playlist. Uh, actually, I think it was last night um, while I was like demolitioning the rest of my kitchen. It was just like playing. Um, and one thing that they said was everything everything in the Bible is important. Mm -hmm. There is nothing in there that, it, that we can downplay. He said right. even to the point where the Bible mentions pots and pans, there is a reason that yeah. God has placed that in there. So it's very important that we don't just stick to one particular verse and create a whole doctrine or teaching out of it. Mm -hmm. That's right. what doctrine means, teaching principle. Yeah. Um, it, it's important that we go, again, like you said, verse before, verse after, yeah. chapter before, chapter after. And we'll see that here um, where David Bernard uses a specific verse to to uh, justify to, to justify the oneness yeah but if we read if we continue reading we'll see why yeah. uh, uh, God allowed that to be written yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, all right so we're just gonna jump in and we're gonna pause intermittently just a quick little flash on the screen we have the right to use stuff just putting that up there so uh, it's not something that Someone could take down as long as we use it for critical purposes, for commenting, fair use. So we're allowed to use this video. Uh, we didn't get David's permission on this one uh, like we did with Redeem Zoomer. But uh, we're able to use it. We're able to comment and pause, and we're going to continue doing that throughout the video. So be patient with us. Um, we'll do our best to go into the detail and to explain or... Um, discuss, respond. So, yeah, be patient with us, and we'll go through it. And here we... Go. of your ministry you've had opportunities to debate and discuss the subject of the godhead with many trinitarians and by the way for those who are listening to this podcast they can listen to or watch some of those debates and discussions on your youtube channel as the general superintendent of the united pentecostal church you have been called upon and as, as well as a not, not just the general superintendent but you're also leading one as pentecostal scholar You've been charged with representing the oneness Pentecostal movement to what we might call the broader Christian world in a variety of settings. So that's that's even a title he's able to take on himself. So that's right. He doesn't just take the general superintendent. He's actually taken himself as the main representative of yeah. oneness theology. He he assumes this title and welcomes it. So just pointing that out. That's, that's a, a title he takes on himself. That and that's a and that's an interesting view or an interesting thing or an yeah. interesting idea because it is he doesn't refute it. it he doesn't say no no i don't i'm not the representative yeah he, he allows the comment um and, and to me it just kind of seems like 
the Pope. Yeah. You know, in, mm-hmm. in Roman Catholicism, where the Pope is the holder of the truth. Right. Yeah. He, you know, he gives the final answer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, it, it is like that. It's a little bit. It's less than I'm, that. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about how that really sits in someone's heart. Right. Like right. I'd be, I'd be terrified for anyone to say that I'm even, I, I, that I'm the spokesman for the, the spokesman for all, all pertaining to one theology or right. aspect of, of God's word. I mean, right. I'm the spokesman for my house and what goes on in it. But God has put me in responsibility for that. Right. He hasn't put anyone to be the one, like, be all this, in all this answer to it. This is almost like Old Testament prophet yeah. type beat for me, where it's like, you're the speaker of for yeah. God. You know, you're the messenger. You're the one who's going to explain um, God's word. And it's, I mean, may, I don't know. Maybe we're digging too deep into this. Maybe oh, we're right. just looking too too much into it. But that's kind of where it's like hold on let's let's see how he says it i just want to movement to what we might call the broader christian world in a variety of settings wait the oneness also leading oneness pentecostal scholar you've been charged with representing the oneness pentecostal movement to what we might call the broader christian world in a variety of set so he's charged with charged yeah with who's charged him right is it is it the pentecostal like organization upci charging you like a well the upci has has placed him as the general superintendent however he says the one is pentecostal movement yeah so that means everything right now that doesn't just mean upci because we know there's assemblies of god there's a full gospel churches there's baptist full gospel and technically they're pentecostal right um so the full gospel literally is the idea that we are restoring the gospel it's the same thing with restoration movements like there's a half gospel out there um no spiritual gifts like the idea is you got to have these outworkings of the holy spirit to prove that this is the gospel working so we're bringing the full gospel back in and it's really one verse um which is well and full gospel interview and one thing that that you had mentioned that that i agree is uh how does that sit on someone's heart, right? Because yeah. as we established, he's got like 5 million followers. 5.5. So 5.5 uh, million. And that's just... Right, that's their numbers. Associate yeah. members, I members. think. But, but we we know of many people that, that follow him. Yeah. And he's he's got a lot of followers. Well, um, the, to, to take into account that it's not just UPCI members that follow him. Yeah, we got apostolics following him. Right. He's a major tenant for the apostolic right. community as well. So mm-hmm. so that's that's what, what I'm saying. Like, maybe we are digging too deep into it, but um, that's not to say somebody who is in, you know, trying to get into the faith and are in a Pentecostal movement, though they might think, oh, well, this is the guy. This mm-hmm. is the guy if whatever he says... You know, it's Goes. it's got to be yeah. true. You know what I'm saying? And there's that, there's that that danger there. You that's kind of the, the the problem that we see in in movements like these, where at least in in my church, and and I know that it's the same for your guys' church. If my pastor says something or he's teaching, I'm in my Bible yeah. the entire time. Yeah. I I am seldom, and I'm not saying everybody has to do it this way, but I am seldom looking at him while he's teaching because if he's like breaking down scripture. I'm in my own scripture, breaking it down with him. Like right. I need to make sure what he's teaching me is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in, in, in movements like this, I've seen people just kind of share the videos um, of you know Pentecostal preachers, or when I was 
an apostolic myself um, and very deep into it, whatever the preacher said mm-hmm. went right um, so far as to as to believe, you know, there, there was a there was a, a preacher one time who said, uh, pray and send an angel to minister to yeah. whoever you want. And I believed and it. And they're taking like Daniel's experience right. yeah. in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I believe that, but scripturally, it doesn't tell us that we have that. Anyone at our disposal. Right. Yeah. Jesus had legions at his disposal. Yeah. And he didn't even utilize them mm-hmm. for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting because we should evaluate out of respect for yeah. the preacher. Right. Evaluate them. Because if I'm preaching something and I say something amiss, I, I would be really disappointed if someone knew it and didn't come and confront me. No, right. I, don't, I don't need you throwing oranges and tomatoes at me. I don't know if you'll get the message through. I might just be like really <laughs> un, not ready to receive that. But ultimately, tell me. Yeah. And if it has to happen through message, it has to happen face to face. If you got to be harsh about it, just tell me. Because yeah. I don't want to skip out on how I explain the truth. And, right. and anybody who is a preacher, anybody who is somebody who teaches scripture, um, you should be able to have that kind of reproof. Yeah. Us as listeners, as the members of the church, if you're the student, etc., cetera, um, be in your Bible. And if you see something, speak up about it it doesn't have to be in that moment stand up and call them out in front of unless it's absolute heresy you know what i mean uh but you know pull them off to the side you had an experience like that with uh at my church not too long ago where uh the the preacher said something a little inaccurate or rather he was inaccurate entirely inaccurate yeah (laughs) but you were a minor statement though right it was a big point right but you were able to pull him aside and speak with him and he received it well you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, so, we, we see that even in Scripture where Paul gave account of his doings yeah. to the local church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- this is Paul. He wrote 60%, am I right, of the New Testament? A lot of it, yeah. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was, aside from Jesus, probably the biggest evangelist. And he had to give an account of what he did mm-hmm. to the local church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What makes us think that our pastors are higher than, than that? You yeah. know? Like... We we were all involved in, in times where if we questioned something, we were rebellious. And, yeah. But scripture points to that. You know, the Bereans were were in 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 their word when Paul was preaching to them. Paul encouraged them. it. And Paul and Paul praised them for it. Yeah. Um, we should do the same. We should do the you same. Know, Paul told Timothy to rightly handle the word of truth, and that rightly isn't a relative kind of uh, subjective. It's it's an objective right way of handling the word of truth. So if we're supposed to be right in the way you handle the word, there, there has to be a standard. Right. It means it has to line up to the entirety of the word of God. So if the rest of the Bible doesn't agree with what you're teaching about a doctrine of the Bible, then your doctrine is wrong or you're not understanding mm-hmm. it correctly because it has to agree with the fullness of Scripture in its context, understanding the different the way the law was handled in the Old Testament, the way it has been fulfilled in the New, how it doesn't go away but it's been dealt with and how we are followers now in our hearts after that so ultimately yes there's an accountability here and i just think it's a little bit interesting that he's lifted up in that position so let's just see how he answers and handles these questions mm-hmm. i'll go from there what principles have guided your discussions in in your interactions with Trinitarians? And what advice do you have for the members of this audience, whether they're a lay member, a pastor, 
um, who's interacting with other Trinitarians, with Trinitarian pastors, leaders, or people in their um, community, particularly when they're discussing theological disagreements? Well, first of all, let me just give you some resources. Uh, my basic book on the subject is called The Oneness of God. And the sequel, which goes more into detail in key passages of Scripture that are often used by Trinitarians, is The Oneness View of Jesus Christ. Now, if someone wants a scholarly study, which uses technical terms and interacts with the latest scholarship, my doctoral thesis, The Glory of God in the Face of Jesus Christ, uh, and that is also available through uh, PentecostalPublishing.com, as well as directly from the publisher, which is Brill. Uh, so those are some resources on the doctrine of God, the oneness of God. But let's talk about how we interact with Trinitarians. So first, I would say we need to have a clear understanding of what we believe and what Scripture teaches. So we, we need to have a clear understanding of what we mean by the oneness of God. The oneness of God essentially has two propositions. First of all, there is one God with no distinctions in his eternal essence no persons or centers of consciousness. Uh, manifestations, works, yes, we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, we believe in one personal God with one personality, one center of consciousness. And that's established in Deuteronomy 6.4, as well as many other passages. I'll okay. Let me... So he's he's laying down the foundation of oneness theology that it is one person anti one two three persons of the uh nature or divinity of god however he he goes to state that this is fundamentally uh pronounced in deuteronomy chapter six verse four so i figured let's uh let's just jump to that real quick just mm -hmm. for a second because this, this speaks about there being one God and God is one. This doesn't identify the inner workings or the mysterious aspect to God's nature or his, his being. So it says, um, no, I'm sorry, that's Genesis, my bad. Um, that we I, will jump into. We will jump into. Yeah. I didn't pull it up. Who's got it pulled I got, up? I got it right here. I don't know why I didn't pull it up. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Um, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them uh, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead you shall write them on your doorstep on the doorstep of your house and on your gates all right so this specifically says that the Lord our God is one. Right. Uh, now, what were you going to do with Genesis? I'm wondering if you were going to do the same thing I was going to do. Pretty sure we, yeah? I'm right, pretty sure we Yeah? I'm pretty sure we're going to So why, I guess the point is, why Why do we want to use this to say it doesn't talk about the, the, the trinity or the lack thereof in that specific 
verse it's in, in that section actually it's talking about i mean this is this is the point in scripture where moses re re-identified or restated the ten commandments i mean the first time it was in exodus chapter 20 and now we got it going on right before this section chapter right. earlier in chapter five he re-identifies the ten commandments he starts explaining who god is that he's the one and then he goes in this in this uh pattern saying listen up israel the lord our god is one um, there aren't these other ways to approach him. I mean, imagine what they went through from Exodus all the way to Deuteronomy. There was a lot that already took place. He's re restating this. Um, so, but what were you going to get at So Genesis? Deuteronomy 6.4. I'm just going to read it again. Uh, Here Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. According to Bernard, this establishes that God is one. And we don't refute that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it may establish that God is one, but is he one within the Godhead? Because we, as Trinitarians, believe that God is one. We yeah. don't serve three gods. Um, you'll hear that later in the video that we actually talk about three gods. We don't serve three gods. That's unblib- that's unbiblical and, and heretical. The word, however, this is the importance of, of, of study. This is the importance of, of, of us saying, what does it mean? What is the what is the meaning behind it? Um the word that is used here, the, the Hebrew word that Moses uses for one is echad, mm-hmm. the, the, which, which can mean one in numerical. However, the usage is actually unity. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same verse that he uses in Genesis 2.24, mm-hmm. where it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. flesh. Mm-hmm. He says, and they shall become, and they shall echad. They shall become one. Now, when when my wife and I married, we didn't, we, we weren't conjoined. I didn't absorb her. She didn't absorb me. We didn't become literally one person. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if, if we're using that terminology in Deuteronomy 6.4, then we have to use the same terminology in Genesis 2.24. And that's not what they're talking about. That's not what Moses is saying in 2.24. And that's not what he's saying in Deuteronomy 6.4 either. He says that God is in unison. He says that God is all together. The same way that a man should be with his wife. In unison, together, in agreement. You know, now, my wife and I don't see eye to eye all the time. But... We don't see eye to eye all the time, but we're one in everything. We agree and we're in, and we're in unison. Now, there is a word that Moses could have used to say definitely numerical one, and that's the Hebrew word yachid. Mm-hmm. It, but he uses echad. And and we see that even in, in John 17, 21. Now, we're not going to see the word echad because it's not it's not Hebrew. But this is what Jesus says. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. He's not praying that 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 his disciples and his believers become one person numerically. He he's asking that we are all in one accord mm-hmm. under his name, his authority, which is side note what what he means. I know you you spoke on. Uh, that was a fantastic episode as well where you were talking about in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. um, what it actually means. It, 
when we're under his name, we're under his authority, under his direction, under his uh, uh, power, not to be empowered to do some weird stuff, but we are being led by him. That's why he's asking the father of his of his followers is that we are in one accord. Same thing that is being uh, spoken of in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Same thing that Moses is talking about in Genesis 2, 24. Mm-hmm. Was that your way of ending that part or yeah. did you get interrupted? Oh, no, usually I just you... stop talking. Oh, okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's continue forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some Trinitarians really come almost to that same point. There's a strong debate within Trinitarianism, whether there is one center of consciousness or three centers of consciousness. But we would clearly say there's one divine center of consciousness. I don't, I don't know what he means by that. Um, apparently, he said there's a debate within Trinitarianism mm-hmm. as to whether or not there's one or three. Now, if there's Trinitarians that are personally wondering if it is oneness, as far as there is no Father, Jesus is the Father in disguise— mm-hmm. Uh, that that's between them. But as far as Trinitarianism goes, like those that contend with, you know, for the faith and continue to prosper the Word of God in that in that aspect, uh, explaining and standing by what the Bible teaches, I don't I don't see that argument taking place whether or not it's, uh, if there's one or three centers of consciousness. I guess I would I would ask, how many Trinitarians has he spoken to? And what is it, the questions that they have? Because yeah. I can say the same thing about one is Pentecostals, at mm-hmm. least the ones that I've spoken to. Yeah. Um, sister churches of the ones that, that I've been to that I still continually speak with. Um, one went as far as saying there is a, me- there is, I, I don't want to butcher his words, um, but there, what, what do you say? Uh, there does seem to be, I'm going to paraphrase now. There does seem to be a type of trinity when we speak about the Godhead. But that's why we need to continue studying. And we went a little little farther. And, and that's kind of the, the interesting thing. I'm sure that there are Trinitarians who are wondering, is it three persons? Is it one? Yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm sure. Just like there is in one is Pentecostalism. At least that's my experience with the people who are actually willing to have those conversations with me. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the people who are willing to have those conversations with me are people who have those questions and, and they'll ask because unfortunately they can't ask those questions in their church. Yeah. Right. You know, now that's, I'm not saying that that's every pastor. I'm sure that there are some pastors who are willing, but they'll only allow it to a certain extent. Yeah. They'll get to a point where they're like, all right, well, I've given you what I've given you either believe or don't believe. Right. Um, so I just want, I just want to point out that's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One is Pentecostalism, Trinitarianism, Buddhist, whatever other religions, you're going to find members that are questioning the, yeah. the, the belief or the doctrine. So I guess you could say that that particular question or wondering is on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think doctrinally speaking, uh, there isn't that that debate. I think we, we have, through the scripture, a, a clear understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a quick question. Do you have any idea? Is the majority on one side or the other of that debate? You know, if you look at a lay level, the majority doesn't know. And probably I would say in my interaction with the average lay person, the most common reactions are it's a mystery. I don't know. Or, you know, now that you explain it, that's the way I see it. Only a small minority would be adamant 
Trinitarians, and that's usually because they've been trained that way or because they've had encounters with oneness people and they, they're trying to distinguish themselves clearly. You know, that that's kind of funny to me because I was trained like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I was trained under the oneness. Uh, through the study of Scripture, and I, I, we've talked about this before outside of the podcast, one of the, the biggest things that I came across, even as a oneness, reading Scripture, is there is that distinction in the three persons. And no matter how hard I would try to filter it, it would always come back mm-hmm. in Scripture. And, and it came to a point where I'm either going to accept what Scripture says, or I have to keep filtering it. And believe me, if you keep filtering it to support the oneness uh, doctrine, uh, it, it's going to mess you up all sorts of ways. You know, it's interesting. When you consider, I'm not saying, I don't want to oversimplify, but ultimately, it's like, it's as if God is trying to trick us, you know, if you really think about it. Like, mm. if if, yeah. if the Trinity is an absolute fallacy, like entirely just right. doesn't exist, not there at all. Mm-hmm. Why why the three personage at all? Right, right. Why why does Christ say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Why does why do we have that relationship that's recognizable and we'll go through some of that later on? Like why yeah. even? Why even give it even an aspect? It doesn't seem like God is purposely putting stumbling blocks anywhere. God says that there is a stumbling block to the humility with which mankind who's full of pride must approach god realize the law damns you and you need a savior yeah that's a stumbling block for proud people but the stumbling block of understanding that god really did perform this wonderful work through his son and he works this regenerating work by his spirit and there is this unity there that seems in a very simple way like a very unnecessary thing if it is entirely not there to even bring any sort of distinction at all in scripture from right. Genesis to Revelation, it's like, for what purpose? If, like, you know, like, yeah. for what purpose is there not a clear statement with Jesus saying, I'm the Father, actually, I just have put on flesh, but I am actually the Father? Not like I am one with God, I am divine, uh, my Father has given me, like, not, not those statements. I'm talking about like, I Definitive, I am right? the Father. Yeah, and this is like ventriloquism. Oh, like, he I'm, does, like though. why? He <laughs> says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah, but that's <laughs> not what that means. <laughs> I, it would be a very odd way. Uh, ultimately, I think it's um, it's interesting because he um, what he's stating here, David, 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 yeah. um, is that David, <laughs> um, he's stating that the majority of the people he speaks to don't know. And I'd say, you know, there's probably a lot of ignorance in every church. I can say that about just about every church. There's Mormons that I talk to regularly, and they have no idea what their beliefs are mm-hmm. until I start kind of pulling out and saying, this is what you guys should believe. It's like I teach them what their beliefs are, and then I show them why they're wrong. They're like, oh, I don't know if that's it. I'm like, I'm telling you, this is this is your belief system. Like, I have your books. Yeah. I have all all three of them. Um, and And it's interesting that even those that participate in the local church are ignorant of what is going on in the word. Well, we, we, that's that's a common thing. We know people, yeah. and there's like one who's a pastor at a church who comments on their post sometimes mm-hmm. where um, he he said himself, "Oh, I came from a Trinitarian background." Yeah, and I know 
uh, a couple who used to be pastors at a Trinitarian church who got baptized at my former church. Um, but I've also known many oneness Pentecostals who have seen the truth of scripture, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess I would say that that, I mean, I don't know why that happens, but I would come back to what you said. Why, if Jesus is the father, why wouldn't he just blatantly say, I am the father and I'm coming to you as a spirit. Mm-hmm. We all understand or believe Trinitarians and apostolics alike that the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So even though they're written by men, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write every single word, mm-hmm. right? So according to one is one is theology, the Holy Spirit is, is Jesus. So I'm going to play on that a little bit. If Jesus, why would Jesus allow verses like Ephesians 1, 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. One of my things is is always, why don't we just replace the names, mm-hmm. the titles with the name, which would say, Blessed be, blessed be Jesus the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus. Just as Jesus chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we would be homely and blameless before Jesus. Yeah. I mean... Ultimately, if it is replaceable, if Jesus is the Father, that actually should be the way that you could read it. Right, right. Like that absolutely, there, there cannot be any other deviation. Like if he really identifies himself as a Father... In essence, that's what it should be, and that makes no that's sense. That's where I would play. Yeah. Where sometimes the question is, or sometimes the the argument on the other side is, the titles don't matter. The name is Jesus. It, How God describes Himself matters very, very much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, God even says to Moses, "I'm going to declare to you my name. And I'm going to proclaim it." When He says, "You know, show me your glory," yeah. and God described His glory. He, he named himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he named himself in very particular ways, speaking about his mercy, his judgment, his forgiveness. I mean, it's, God it's, naming himself is identifying his, his characteristics and what he desires and will do in this day or this time or that period with mankind. And through it's Christ, so he did. Yeah, through Christ, he, uh, he saved. So Jesus means Savior. His, his glory and, and, and titles are, are so grand and important that he starts off the scriptures like that, yeah. by calling himself Elohim, mm-hmm. which is majesty of majesty. I mean, a plurality of majesties. Yeah. Dude, this is how grand I am. I mean, this, this is important to God, how he describes himself. Yeah. yeah. Why, why would we downplay that? It seems like that's the case sometimes. And, and, um, I don't know if other theologies do it, but I know oneness does it at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if other doctrines view that. But it, it's, you know, we elevate the name of Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? Is it really just a nominal name? Is it actually just the, you know, say it and that's it? Make sure it's the right translation of that name. Like, or is it what well, they, he does, who he is, of, what he points um, to? Philippians. I think it's Philippians 1 or Philippians 2, where he says, you know, the name that is above every name. Yeah. And at the name, of, and at oh, the name sorry, of Jesus, two. 2, 5, and 8 or something like that. Uh, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will, will mm-hmm. bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and I remember having that conversation on, on Facebook with a pastor of a oneness church where he says, what is the name that is above every name? 
And, you know, a lot of his followers were like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I said, Lord. And he's like, are you serious? <laughs> like, that was his comment. I'm like, yes, I'm serious. The name Lord that was given to Christ, because the name Jesus was given to him be- at birth. Mm-hmm. And, and the name Lord wasn't given to him until he, he completed his work. For this reason, because he was obedient until death, he was given the name that is above every name. He already had the name Jesus. He was given the name Lord. It's not just a title. It's a name. It's the name that is above every name. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never downplay the name of Jesus. It's a beautiful name. What uh, what I think is important is, uh, even though there are some people within every denomination that don't know how to explain the nature of God or maybe articulate doctrine, there's going to be those that, really good at serving and not all that good at articulating it's just you know there's there's teachers there's preachers there's evangelists and then there's those that help and those that uh press on those that uh, know how to reach out or pray for people or reach out and minister in that special way um and then there's those that know how to really defend the faith in a very strong way they're just set forth that way people are gifted in different ways god has put those people in the church uh, all throughout christendom what what i think is interesting is proverbs chapter 30 verses 1 to 4 Verse 4 is the key verse that I want to go into, but but uh, it says this. Uh, the words of Agur, the son of Jacket or Jakey, I don't know. I'm bad at pronouncing some Jacket. Okay. The, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal, surely I am more stupid than any man, which personally I think that's a great verse to start with. <laughs> Basically saying I'm the dumbest. I love that verse. <laughs> but surely I'm more stupid than any man. I, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fists, who has wrapped the waters in his garment. Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Now, there isn't, there, is. there isn't much that we can do to take this and really twist it in a weird direction to say, oh, that's not what that means. There, that is a reference to the living God. And it doesn't refer to just other followers of God afterwards. Like, what are, what are the names of his children or his followers? It identifies strictly. What is his name and the name of his son? What is the identifier? Who is he? How do you explain him? If he doesn't descend, if he doesn't condescend with knowledge and insight and understanding and clarity to finite man, what do we know about this invisible, glorious God of the universe? Other than the fact that there's proof that a glorious majesty has created all of this world. Right. That's why Romans 1 says, you know, the evidence is there even for atheists, even for those that don't believe. It's proven just yeah. through creation. But unless he declares himself, unless Christ would have come and literally declared or represented the Father to us, truly, uh, like the express image of God, if he didn't do that, we would never have known who God is, right. what, what what is going on. We wouldn't be able to figure this out because we're so foolish, so proud. Mm-hmm. We keep idolizing ourselves as yeah. a human race so i just i just i love that section of scripture because it's it's right there in proverbs it's very clear and there's it's always there's no other way to go about that yeah it's always interesting when you find those verses in the old testament yeah that at the very least speak of the two-ness mm-hmm. of god yeah. you know and it, i mean it happens all the way uh in the beginning of genesis when god says uh, let us you know, let us create man in, 
Let us and, make man in our image our according image. to even, our likeness. Even starts in the second verse, where it says the spirit of God was hovering yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well, when we think about the Genesis, Mm -hmm. there's been references where people make saying that was God speaking to angels, but the angels were not made in the angels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he wouldn't be, nor, nor did the angels have any part in creation. Yeah. Otherwise we'd have, they'd have a a reason to be praised and worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when John tried to worship an angel, he was like, Hey, get up, get up, get up. I'm a servant. Just like, can you imagine an angel? Like the, the thing that freaks everyone yeah. out when they see it and they fall as dead because they just see a fiery freak out figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just they just realize their wretchedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that angel says, Don't don't matter me. I am just like you. It's like you're not. <laughs> not even a little bit, but, nah, but everywhere dude. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was that angel. Those are there's, a, there's, there's some, different angels. There's, there's, right. there's different there's angels, di- yes. There's yeah. different ways that God has described. We might, we might have to like uh, angels doing it do a top we'll have order. to throw jeremy on that one he's yeah. gonna love it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately yeah i mean uh peter wasn't welcoming worship even though the roman catholic church took that in the wrong direction mm-hmm. and the angel that was in the vision that god gave to write the book of revelation yeah. to john wasn't welcome to be worshipped, even yeah. though in the vision he was there standing in heaven presenting heaven to john saying here's the things that are yeah. happening it's like that's incredible no mm-hmm. one, no one. And Jesus willingly just, without any hesitation, took all worship. Yeah. Didn't bat an eye against it. Absolutely welcomed all of it, yeah. no matter who it was. It's yeah. like, only God can be worshiped. Only God could forgive sin. Yeah. And yet Jesus always made reference to the Father as well. So, yeah. All right, let's continue on. Common expression, it goes back to early times, that the Trinity is a mystery. So if you... Um, if you try to understand the Trinity, you lose your mind. But if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What What are we saying here? What? Um, what? Where is that common? Um, where is that common understanding? Is this Is this coming from the fact that people describe the complete comprehension of the trinity as an indescribable thing and that means that you know like you'll you'll go crazy if you try to really figure it out well i've i've heard it be put where um don't study too much or yeah. else you'll confuse yourself even more yeah like just just stick to this stick to this well and- i think what he was saying was trinitarians teach that if you deny it you lose your soul uh, but if yes. you try to comprehend it you'll go crazy and in, in some ways, I'd say, yeah, if you try to say, like, I got this figured out, then you're going to pull a Job and you're going to get rebuked. Mm-hmm. Job thought he figured it out, even though, in essence, he was walking in a, in a, in a faithful path. And yet he had, he had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. He was like, well, come on. Like, wh- why are you doing this to me? Like, just, just kill me or, or explain yourself. And God did not explain himself. God says, were you there when I founded mm-hmm. all of this? Were you there? Can you do anything that I do? Who are you? Answer answer like a man like mm-hmm. that's the response that god has that's the response that paul even described um when people would um would complain saying well well how can god blame us if you know if we weren't in the lineage of being saved if we weren't uh, predestined for this if we weren't uh, fo- uh purposed for that if he didn't call us if he didn't ordain us unto salvation in romans 9 and paul's response is like <laughs> like basically like who are you to talk back to god yeah. Like, who are you to demand anything out of him? 
he ordered things in a certain way. It's his creation. He has full rights to it. Yeah. And if we don't like the way things play out, it is not anything that we have a complaint against God. We submit to that and we honor him. And if we honor him, submit to him, we are those that respond favorably. For those that argue against him and, and fight him, it's like we're kind of demonstrating the path that we're taking in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're called to repent of that. Don't argue with God. Repent. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it seems like um, David is stating here that... Uh, Trinitarians just have this idea, like, hey, you, you can't understand it, but you better believe it. And that that's kind of like, I don't know if that's a straw man argument or you say that. I think it's like a like an easy way of trying to topple the belief of the Trinity, the understanding of it. Just because something is difficult and impossible in our finite nature to really understand doesn't mean that that it's not biblical. Right. And just because something is an important aspect that needs to be understood— and there is this demand on Scripture. Just like uh, in the New Testament, there are sections of Scripture which say that uh, those that rejected the gospel, they will be damned because they refused to believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it says. They refused to believe the gospel because they rejected the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's their damning aspect. Right. And it's like, yeah, like if you don't believe the message about Christ that the Bible explains— that's damnation. Like right. you've refused to believe it. You rejected the gospel. It, it is damnable to not believe In about the, God or God rightly. Right, right. It doesn't mean that there aren't people that don't understand things. We're talking about people that ally reject key principles or key aspects. Yes. Could indeed be damning. So there is that importance of that. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, you don't need to fully understand the Trinity to come to a saving faith. You know, you were just saying, yeah. you know, rejecting Christ just rejecting christ you're already damned yeah you know but when you even if you just understand christ what he came to do and you accept that you believe in that you put your faith in that it doesn't mean you understand the entire trinity you don't it doesn't mean you understand the relationship between the son and the father and how the holy spirit uh, uh, relates to all that you don't need to understand all that Mm -hmm. to be saved you get what i'm saying it's like saying you know you have to understand how god spoke let there be and it became like how he doesn't have hands right he doesn't have hammers like he doesn't have a home depot to go to and build this place like how did he do it like you don't have to be able to say oh let me detail by detail there was a bang and it's like no no but how did he do it like how did he create this world with speech and how is that speech a living word that john 1 1 says was always with the father right. like how you can't explain it that doesn't mean it's not real it didn't happen yeah. Because I be worried about yourself. Why you still be down and you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got